Hey everybody, welcome back to Tuning Fork. Uh, it's a show about music and the Pitchfork Media hype machine. I am David. Uh, my name is Matt. And we have a guest who is... Hi, I'm Nick. Hi Nick, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk about rock music today. I mean, have you heard, like, the, they keep trying to make these other kinds of music when all we've ever needed all along is more rock music? Yeah. You know, Beethoven threw all these chords in, but all you need are the four chords and the truth, if you ask me. <laughs> That's uh, why they I, call I, them power chords. <laughs> I think Freeze, Stop, Freeze Pop said it best when they said, let's talk more rock. Yeah. You know, That's did other people my say favorite that? song yes. on Rock Band 3. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, oh, I think Freeze Pop got into the Rock Band games because uh, at least one Two of, of the members there, worked yeah. at Harmonix. That is same, the only reason with, they were in those uh, games. Same with why Lightning Bolt got in. Lightning Bolt is in Rock Band? Yeah. Brian Gibson uh, worked for Harmonix. I, I this does track. somehow miss that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Damn. we're talking about, uh, we're not talking about Lightning Bolt or Freeze Pop today. Uh, Nick, what are we talking about today? We are here to talk about Japan Droid's sophomore album, Celebration Rock. Oh, 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 Like, just, O choruses are so overdone, and yet... <laughs> they just throw it right there in the verse and it slaps. Yeah, this is this is uh this is dopamine the album. It really is. Like that that's that's me with Japan Droids in general. Um well, their first two albums anyway. Did Fang Island also come out around this time? Uh Fang Island's debut was 2010, I think. Okay. So And then the I think Major albums. and then Major was somewhere after. Yeah. They yeah, they were kind of on right. the same page, you know, it's just writing these uh like totally anthemic like you know high five everybody choruses and stuff yeah uh i also want to make just an extremely important note this is the first canadian band we are covering on this podcast Ooh, exciting which like i mean i don't pick the albums that we do because we we allow our guests to pick all the albums um but we've done it folks canada is represented and representation matters it does, and I feel like so many uh, Canadian bands got blown up thanks to Pitch. Oh, absolutely! Like I think you could really, you could really uh, zero down Pitchfork's King Maker status to when you forgot it and people blew up. You like, forgotten that, people funeral, yeah. Well, it's like you you forgotten people was two thousand and two. So I, that that's like that's why I think I think that was like definitely one of the earliest ones. Yeah, you're right about that. I'm getting my timelines confused. It's that whole like it's the whole like arts and crafts scene, like like that that label. It's most of the stuff they put out. Like, of course, Arcade Fire wasn't part of that, but nonetheless. Yeah, and Arcade Fire is like a it's like a different thing compared to your broken social scenes and your Japan droids and everything else. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah Japan droids like they're they're of their own thing entirely. Like they were just they were just the Vancouver bar scene for years, and that's basically what their first album was about. And it was supposed to be like their well, we're done now. Here's the album. Yeah, they, they weren't <laughs> getting any traction, and they decided to break up after recording post nothing. But then after they released it, hey, we're successful now. Yeah, I was when I was listening to this record before, I was like thinking a little bit about post nothing and how it feels like a record made by like by a joke band of two people who have been in a scene for a long time and are just making things that are funny to them. Yeah. It gave me, um, it gave me kind of a waves vibe. Like mm -hmm. you're never sure exactly how serious that he was at any given time. 
the first time yeah. I saw Japan Droids, I had to use a fake ID to get into the show, and they happened to be playing with Waves. There you go. Damn. It was the North by Northeast Festival 2010. Yeah, they so kind I, was, of, I feel like Japan Droids kind of got lumped in with that scene with like Waves and Abe Vigoda and No Age and those late 2000s noise rock bands. God, rest in peace, Abe Vigoda, the band and the person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, also 2009, um, when Post Nothing came out, was such a big year for that kind of style, because it was right before King of the Beach took off, and but you're getting pretty fuzzy around then, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and on, on the other end of the, the spectrum, you had uh, Get Color by Health. <laughs> yeah, like, from the same scene, but, like, doing something completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because No Age's Nouns was 2008, so. Yep. That's really that that was the encapsulation of like the LA scene of the time and then, you know, everyone else was kind of doing something similar. Yeah, for sure. Uh but and this is Pitchfork this is gave Japan uh, Dance, baby. Pitchfork gave <laughs> their first album Post Nothing an 8.3 and Best New Music and their debut single Young Hearts Spark Fire Best New Track. Young so, Hearts Spark Fire fucking slaps, dude. <laughs> that rec- that song is so much fun live. That oh my song, God, yeah. You just scream it. Yeah. They then, they uh, seem to have designed a lot of their songs around just kind of yelling things. Yeah, for sure. Which is, like, fine. Um, it kind of brings us into the, the Pitchfork review of the album of Celebration Rock, which got an 8.8 and was reviewed by Ian Cohen. Yeah. Uh, we were remarking on this uh, before the show, is how, like, he... He he calls their lyrical their their lyricism like fond of like legend and literary device, and it's not that deep, bro. <laughs> it, the only it literally the, really the only not. legends that they're talking about is like the kind of classic rock like Heartland rock Bruce Springsteen blue collar worker mythos, which like is barely there. Like the 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 lyrics are so abstracted. Yeah. Yeah, it, it almost it's it, almost like they're not even talking about people half the time. Yeah, and I mean I feel I feel like so much of that like Springsteen evocation comes just out of like the melodic shape. Like it's every every mm-hmm. melody in that on that record is soaring every yeah. time. Yeah, and absolutely. That's, and that's what you go see Springsteen for. That's Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like I like I feel like if you're going to if you're going to say anything about Japan Dread saying that they have amazing lyrics isn't the thing you're going to say. <laughs> no. Uh, which we will get into. Um, all their uh, album as we go covers, the track by track. all their album covers are literally just black and white photos of the two of them together. Um, three out of Band four on times top, against, title and bottom against a plain except black for that background. third one. Yeah, what and, I don't actually know what the third one's cover is anymore. It's still a picture of them, but they dropped the formatting, which just yeah, they don't makes have it... the name of the band or the title on the front. Oh, that just doesn't look right. It doesn't like it. It goes such a long way in making that album difficult to fit in with the rest of their discography if they were going to do something different for that one i felt like they could have just actually been different and not just done the same thing without the text yeah (laughs) it didn't do enough it even looks like it's cropped in the same place right (laughs) because like they cut off exactly where it would line up Mm -hmm. i don't know that album's weird and is not coverable by this show because it did not get best new music rip Oops. Uh, the, it is the also the only is... release of theirs not reviewed by Ian Cohen. Aw. <laughs> I didn't know that he reviewed Post Nothing. I didn't know Ian Cohen was writing for Pitchfork in 2009. Apparently so. Damn. That must have been one of the first things he wrote. 
Yeah, because I mean, like, I always... that's probably why he ended up being like basically the poster child for the emo beat on Pitchfork. But before that, he was on a hip hop beat. He was the he gave Camp the one point six heard around the world. <laughs> <laughs> God, I can't um, wait till we do the Camp episode. It's gonna he be also good. he he panned Mumps etc. Oh. Why? Which was yeah, like, I do remember that one. Kind of a so-so record, but yeah, that was yeah. I, I one... wouldn't like it. I, it's a so-so record. I probably wouldn't have given it like a two. Yeah, I, it's <laughs> it like a, a it's, it's a bold choice. It's like a you know mid sixes. Yeah, I feel like Pitchfork's whole thing with why is that they're almost embarrassed by how much they liked his earlier work. Mm-hmm. When you like reconsider <laughs> any of the lyrics on any of his albums, oh my god, yeah. But like his lyrics were always like that, bro. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's what you see on the can. He's a weird dude. Yeah. I just wanted to uh, point speaking out of that. Can. Uh, oh, time to got open the my podcast beer. beer. Oop! I it's already time. got mine. It's my it's my classic can of Mill Street Organic, as I always have. Nice Toronto Brewery, with, baby. Going with the uh, the classic Tecate with lime. Sounds fancy. It's very much not. It's a <laughs> cheap. It's a cheap beer, and then you put a lime wedge in it. Makes it palatable. It t- it makes it excellent. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, so this band is made up of Brian King uh, on guitar and vocals. And on drums and vocals, we have David Prowse, who also uh, played Darth Vader in Star Wars. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, guy, the name of the guy inside the Darth Vader suit was David Prowse. Ah. Neat. That's a good. That's a good piece of trivia. That's a good fact. Like, I felt like that's what you were going for, but like it just didn't register in my head. Yeah, <laughs> because I wasn't familiar with the name. Um, honestly, they knew, knew they didn't need more than two members, and they, I like them for it. They they're bucking the trend of Canadian bands, which all have upwards of twelve members. <laughs> Every single fucking one of them. Yeah, they're the exclusive Canadian band. Yeah, they're the exclusive Canadian Vancouver band because every other musician in Vancouver is in the new Pornographers. Yeah, including uh, including Nardwar. Including Nardwar. I mean, the Evaporators are where all the other punk musicians are. Right. Making songs about the pig war. <laughs> I, I, I should check. I, I, did Nardwar ever interview Japan Droids? Because that would have been a pretty good one. That would have been a good one. Like, cause You'd have to go way he's always back. Trying to, he's always trying to find that Canadian connection. Yeah. It doesn't look like they, he ever interviewed them, which is a shame <laughs> because he loves bringing up Vancouver and who better to bring it up with than someone who's from Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah, British like, Columbia, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like there's so much to dive into there with like old bands and just weird, obscure releases to dig into in their histories. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, I feel like if he was if he was digging up the scene, he would basically like just name a bunch of bands they played with. And yeah. like get really deep into their references, and probably literally would have either played shows with them or been present at a show they played. Yeah, because he's just kind of always around. Yeah, the first Nardwar interview I ever saw was with like Tyler the Creator in in twenty eleven. Oh, that one was, was so good. Yeah, he's just pulling out like every record that Tyler sampled on like yeah. his most obscure like mixtapes. And he just can't deal with it. I think that that interview in particular is the reason why Nardwar ended up doing like mostly hip hop interviews going forward after that, because yeah. there's just so much more you there's so much more you could dig into when when sampling gets brought into it. That's and also yeah, because like there was that just, one and also the one he did with all of Odd Future. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think I saw that one. That one was real good because he was just walking up to each individual member and had something for each of them. Yeah. Oh, what? Frank Ocean, I know which Beyonce song you wrote. (laughs) (laughs) 
You probably already own a copy of it, but here's one anyway. <laughs> I, I also just think it's like just because like the cultural milieu of uh, of Nardwar was so different from the hip hop scene that oh, yeah. less people were familiar with him going in, mm-hmm. which was like it led to very very good interview material. I, I think Plus, in that like <laughs> odd future one, he uh, it was either Tyler or uh, or Earl who asked Nardwar if if he was with the Feds. <laughs> Because he knew so much about them. I saw someone on Twitter accuse Nardwar of being a narc, and I really hope it's not true. <laughs> oh, no. Because that would be so fucking sad if he was a narc. No, that would be it so bad. Unlikely. Call Nardwar a narc. Don't do that to him. <laughs> it's so sad. Like, I mean, if it's true, like, okay, yeah. I'll be sad about it. But, like, I just don't want it to be, so I'm going to be in denial about it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Should we get into the album, then? Why not? I'm game. Track number one of eight is The Knights of Wine and Roses. First of all, I just want to say, eight tracks. Fucking perfect. I can actually read the titles on all the Genius tabs I have open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they, they for some reason, stuck with eight tracks for all three of their albums so far. And apparently, for, at least for the third one, that wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it just ended up with only being just... able to make eight solid songs and call it an album. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I don't feel like, I don't see them putting out another album. I but, like it don't either. It's just like I don't unless they do something it, real real different. Yeah, I so it's just the idea of them disappearing quietly into the night seems really sad. <clears throat> Cuz that's mm. kind of what they were trying to do with their first album before it blew up yeah. and then to have it on like the third album that like people weren't really enthusiastic about it all and then just, you know, quietly stop doing band stuff. Yeah, but I it also It just seems really I, depressing. I don't know. I I saw them um on like the pre-tour for that record in like fall 2016 yeah and it just didn't hit the same way as seeing celebration rock tour did it didn't I, I, I well part of that is that brian cannot sing high notes anymore he has absolutely stripped his vocals like he when, yeah. when i saw him in toronto he was singing like songs from post nothing and celebration rock a full octave down Oh wow! Yeah, that's, and some of I them sounded was, real bad because of it. I think he was doing that too. Yeah, it was. It's kind of like, um, like the dude from Pup. You know, he just like really ran his voice down. Yeah, which yeah. like I'm glad he's taking better care of it now. Before it's like completely gone. Absolutely, because yeah. he still has the like. Well, essentially, what happened is like their third album just doesn't have high notes on it. Yeah, it's which it's, is weird because like the the whole like kind of half falsetto yelled vocals is like half the fun of listening to and also seeing live Trip Android songs. Oh yeah, yelling along to the the hook of Wine and Roses to jump ahead a little bit. I mean, yeah. that's that's the most fun part of the set. Yeah. Yeah, and like when you're saying the lyrics at a normal volume, you're thinking about them a lot harder. <laughs> Wait, you you mean to tell me uh these girls these girls are raw bikini kill we need a ride to bikini island isn't poetry? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is we do also the thing is is that wet hair fucking slaps so 
that song like musically goes so hard and those lyrics are so fucking stupid (laughs) (laughs) among the worst lyrics i've ever heard yeah Uh, and they're not even the worst lyrics on that album this song starts um with uh the with a clip of fireworks um and then you get not fireworks by animal collective even though that would have been really cool (laughs) no and also not firework by Katy perry um And then you get the the drums, which kind of sound like they're being recorded on a microphone that's like 20 feet away. Mm-hmm. The fucking mixing and mastering on this album is top class. The it drums. is so fucking good. Oh my god, those, like, it's a wall of sound, and those drums still pop through it. And I'm so, oh my god, I don't know how Jesse Gander did it, but Yeah, I want to get this guy- I want to get this guy in a room, specifically a recording studio, and then see how he sets up his mics. I just want to watch it happen. I was taking a look at his credits uh, earlier today on Discogs, and su- a surprisingly little amount of high-profile stuff outside of Japan Droids. Like, he, is it just, like, Vancouver acts? Like, is he just a local? Um, it seems kind of like that. He did a, c- a couple of things with White Lung, but everything else were names that I did well, not yeah, recognize at all. White Lung's also all. from Vancouver, aren't they? Yeah, well, there yeah, you go. Yeah, so that tracks. Um, a lot of, like, just, like, local punk and hardcore bands. Uh, there was a ska record on there nice um, but yeah and you know, know. If, if i think about it like white lung is another band where like the recording is so tight like especially with the fact that like, like unlike japan droids like mishway has a lot better vocals yeah and they they get every ounce of punch out of them yeah i haven't listened to white lung in a minute now but those mixes are really good and her vocals just pop through in like the most engaging way possible I, I bring this up a lot when I'm talking about just, like, the way people record albums, but, like, you have to get the perfect drum song or sound or else I'm just not going to like it. Um, Yo. This comes up a lot with me with the band Born Ruffians, who I'm a big fan of, and I've seen them live, like, ten times. Their first album had perfect drum sounds. Their second album sounded like fucking garbage, and I told them this to their face. <laughs> I said, what is wrong with the mixing on this album? Your drums sounded like shit. Where are your transients, bro? <laughs> It's because they recorded to tape and then spent a bunch of time trying to remove excess tape hiss because the uh, tapes they recorded on sucked ass. That was like right when oh, they got. That, I hate that was that. right after they got signed to Warp, right? Uh, they were signed to Warp for their initial singles and album. Huh. Um, but hmm. they were dropped by Warp after the second album. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Mm. They, and then, like the next even, two even albums, after were pretty they good. did that amazing cover of Takira Weakling Child and Milkman. Yeah, that is among the better things ever recorded to ta- to like to record it to anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so fucking bold to choose to cover an Aphex Twin song when you're when, when you're, you're born, born Russians. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, like their their next couple albums sounded better, but they never really quite quite captured the punch of the first one, and like that, like even though I like the songs just as well, like it's if you can't get that punch right, then it's not going to work. And Japan Dreads get it right right away. Like those drums come in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it does sound like the mic is 20 feet away, but it sounds so fucking good. Yeah. No, there's a couple songs later in this record where I I, I was listening um, on my like studio monitors earlier today, and just the way that those drums cut through such a busy guitar signal just kind of took my breath away for a second. Yeah. Well, and the fact that the guitars sound like eight guitars because they fed them through so much feedback. Oh, we're going to talk about Brian King's amp rig once we get into this, okay? <laughs> we're going to talk about the number of the the number of amplifiers Brian King has on stage with him at all times. <laughs> it's nuts. The, the, the only reason they don't have more members in the band is because they can't fit them in the bus because <laughs> they have too many amps. 
they still get a tour bus for eight people, but it's just cabs in some of the beds. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that that's uh, that's their substitute for not being the like fifteen member Canadian band. They just replace yeah. all the people with amps. Yeah, same number of amps actually between Arcade Fire and Japan Droids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they they don't they just don't they don't have a single big drum for uh, for a younger brother to play. Yeah. I mean they share a, they share a storage space, but they just you know Japan Droids doesn't need to take it out on tour with them right now. You know, <laughs> but that's why you never see them out on the road at the same time. Eventually, then, yeah. they'll work a hurdy gurdy into a song. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to hear on Japan Droids LP four. Yeah, a hurdy gurdy. Yeah, some hurdy gurdy. I'd love to see them fuck around with horns, to be honest. I don't know if it, how it would work, but I just want to see them try. What if Japan Droids just pull a pull like a full kid A and make a record with no guitars, <laughs> and then make a jazz follow up? That's their amnesiac. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then just yeah. talk about how much they hate George Bush. There you go. Um, lyrically, this song is as straightforward as you would think it is by listening to the lyrics. It does set yeah. up the theme of the album really well. Yeah, this song is actually my least favorite on Celebration Rock. Even though it fucking rips. It's still, it's so much fun live that I give it a pass there, but it's where the, the pendulum feels a little bit too much on, like, the classic rock side of things rather than the sort of post-punky thing that yeah. I'm looking for when I'm listening to Japan Droids, and these lyrics just kind of really push it over that edge. <laughs> Don't yeah. we have anything to live for? Well, of course we do, but till they come true, we're drinking and we're still smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love the the genius annotator who um, who embedded an image of like some youths drinking with "fuck it, I'm young" overlaid on it. <laughs> it's a really it's a really fucking good image. That's extreme, yeah. like the TV show Skins Tumblr circa. Oh no, hundred percent. Yeah, that's a, oh, that yeah. image. I would not doubt is from Tumblr. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, the... But. <laughs> The aesthetic blogs that were for everything at the time. Yeah, but it's like it, like uh, like the lyrical themes. This is something that Ian Ian Cohen was getting into on the review, and it's like uh, the first album was "We Need to Get Out," and then this album is like "We're Out Now." What? Yeah, and that really does kind of carry through this track. It's like we're out and we're doing stuff, but we don't know what we're doing. So let's drink, let's party. Yep, <laughs> we're down in our drinks in a funnel of friends. Damn, we're gonna. We're going to make a very melancholy read of Celebration Rock today, I think. Oh, 100%. I'm, we don't I'm, cry I'm for excited. those nights to arrive. We yell like hell to the heavens. Hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that, that, that basically is like carpe diem in a lot more words, right? Yes. We, we yeah. were talking about word to sil- <laughs> syllable to actual meaning ratio earlier uh, in the Discord. And there is just a masterclass of... Saying the least in the most words possible. On I actually record. kind of admire it. It's it's impressive. There's again, I would say it's not that deep because it isn't. Mm-hmm. But that well, doesn't mean it's know, not evocative. As you know, they are linguists. <laughs> it's like it's evocative. It gets the people going. It you does. Know? We're gonna listen to one song and one song only. And 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 it's and it's Fire's Highway. Fire's Highway. Oh man.
this this song uh, really kind of reads pretty fetishistic to me. Um, it's got uh, a reference to uh, to the word gypsy, which of course uh, is well known as a slur, and uh, it seems like the the person is hoping for like you know I'm traveling to a new place, and I hope some wild person takes me in, and I'm traveling to a strange land. Yeah, this one. Yeah, it's always fun to listen to, but man, I, I you don't want to go over the lyrics to this one. Yeah, it's this is the issue that you run into with uh, with a record that is all of, it's it's a record that evokes a lot, and then when you look at what it's actually saying, you kind of have to step back because oh <laughs> you, no 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 this is like manic pixie dream girl shit like. You're yeah. you're using you're like a soul you're, of a soul of fire and eyes of flame tend to overwhelm her tender frame. Uh. Ooh, don't like it, don't like it, Brian. Please Brian. don't say these words to me, Brian. Maybe Brian. you should have stayed quitting girls. <laughs> yeah, Brian, see a therapist, please. Yeah, like I, it sounds so good though. Yeah, I think that you. I think I've seen them open with this once or twice. Um, this or Adrenaline Night Shift, which both yeah. start on the same chord, so. And it's a very fun set opener, yeah. but. And, like, yeah. the second half of the line that has the slur in it is, turn some restless nights to restless years, is really cool. And also there's that, there's David's, like, shout-along refrain thing that, oh, and that's, yeah. that's very fun, but also, yikes, lyrics. Yep. She warmed my body with her spirit's heat. <laughs> Some empty bottles, the cold sweat blues, howling like outlaws from her rented room. It's about drinking. And they're still smoking. Do they have anything to live for? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, that is that is this record, like, that's the thesis statement. Still yeah. drinking, still smoking. Yep. Anything to live for? It's, yeah. It's very, <laughs> like bro, when they, it's very bro rock. Yeah. Yeah. It's bro rock with that little bit of melancholy, and, like, they... They steep into it on a couple of songs, but they really don't nail it most of the time. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> like, there's was a thinking... there's there's a good chunk of melancholy in like the closing two tracks, and those two tracks are like unimpeachably good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, but they don't really nail it here. When we were talking about continuous thunder before, I was thinking a little bit that like the the poetic appeal of Japandries is almost the kind of like the trope of like the high school jock writing a poem in English class for the first time. And it's very rough around the edges, but you appreciate that he took, that he took the effort and dug deep a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You're, he's finally showing an emotion. Yeah. It's like, he saw his, he saw his therapist and he's showing an emotion. Punching... That's not football. <laughs> it's like, that's it's uh it's that that's seen in season two of American Vandal when the guy reads the, basketball poem and the english oh, teacher God. is like over the moon for him yeah he's like he punched too many holes in his wall so he had to he had to talk to someone yeah he filled all the holes with poetry uh evil sway I I am very much down with this song. This song is their I'm on fire. 
Oh yeah, this is. If we're, we're going to be going the, the Springsteen, the Bruce Springsteen comparisons here. This is the we we gotta fuck and we gotta fuck now song. <laughs> so we gotta fuck now. <laughs> Gen- yeah, genius is I. As much as I don't like to admit it, I think genius is right about this one. The thing about genius with this album is that the lyrics are not deep, so it's not hard to tell what they're saying, and yet <laughs> they still manage to fuck it up so often. Yeah. <laughs> Although apparently the the line the all I see is sexual red is a is a reference to the Gun Club who they do cover later on the album. Yeah, oh, there's a lot of Gun Club all over this. I didn't know that about sexual red because that is that's laying all your cards on the table. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> he didn't trust the the literative device of he's seeing red, so he had to specify that it was a sexual red. There he you is go. red, mad, and nude. This is not an and angry ready to red. fucking party. This is not. <laughs> A sad red. Just a sexual. When I was re- when I was writing the note about genius being right, I did mi- I did misspell genius as genus the first time. <laughs> so so there's that's that. just a, that's just like an anime villain. Yeah. <laughs> the last uh, ray burst through the train cars and shined directly on my head. As the sun set on the singer and the night descends, he begins to realize his lustful desire becoming more and more prevalent. The warmth of the last rays descending on him is only increasing his frustrations. You ever get horny from a sunset? Uh, when I'm horny from a sunset? You see the sunset and you're like, oh man, time to fuck. <laughs> Talking shit about a horny sunset. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it, it's like being a vampire. You can only be horny once the sun is down, so. Um, is this song actually just a confession that he's really a vampire? I think, I think there's an interpretation that the entire Japan Droids catalog is hinting at someone's vampire. Vampires yeah. are horny is the thing. Yeah. I really like, uh, like the, the bit with the pre-chorus is that it like, it flips uh, so it's like, you find me in the first chorus, and the second one, it's I'll find you. And I'm really glad that So Come and Find Me in this moment precedes the I'll run and find you in this moment, because I oh. feel like it would seem really creepy if the other one was first. Yeah, that would, that... Uh, Especially with the line, and expose a passionate woman for what she is. I don't know if we'd be talking about this record if that... If- <laughs> right? <laughs> and, like, all that would do is, uh, like, literally just taking those two pre-choruses and flipping them, and it makes it so bad. And, but, like, in this case, it works... Because mm-hmm. it's just echoing a line from earlier, and yeah. though, and so like you know, you have the implica- like the implication of it being like a mutual thing, whereas it does not sound mutual if you lead with that one. No. Yeah, and this is leading into what we were talking about um, with Continuous Thunder before, and what I was going to mention later of like the text supporting the intention. In yeah, yeah, it really yeah. It, it works in that way. But I, I just thought that was really interesting how much different it could be. <laughs> There's yeah. a, a good amount of, um, like, squealy feedback throughout this song, uh, which I appreciated. Yeah, this one was, I had to, I had to turn the volume down on this one because I was like, there is a little bit too much, there's, there's a lot of treble going on here yeah. on that guitar, and not all of it is good. <laughs> so I think now is as good a time as any to talk about Brian King's guitar riff. Okay. Because Brian King is running through minimum three amps most of the time during sets. He, yeah. there's, you'll see more than that on stage, but they're all like clones because Japan Droids is at a point where you can't cancel a show because an amp broke. You just should have a backup. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it, what it used to be was he had a Fender Twin for clean tones, a, some sort of Ampeg bass amp just to get like that hard low end. So that feels really full. And then for distortion, he's got. A high watt, which is just like very loud, loud and proud, and an orange, which is going to be like super 
harsh and distorted and is switching between those for a lot of different distortion sounds. Depending on what he's going for for the song. Yeah, and I think he later added some other stuff to the clean rig just to add some complexity to that. But it's such a, it's very much a, I couldn't decide which one tone I want, so I went for all of them at the same time. And on the record, they make it work so goddamn well. Yeah, like, I'm trying to imagine just, like, if if they hadn't already worked with Jesse previously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess this is what it would have been like for the first album. Like, yeah, I need to bring my stack of amps into the studio, and you need to make it sound coherent in, like, a recorded <laughs> studio environment and not in a place where we're literally just trying to make as much noise into a room as possible. Boy. Oh, man, I wonder if... Um... A couple times when I've recorded records, one thing that we'll do is um, the guitarist is actually sitting in like the control room with Mm -hmm. the engineer and everything. And you have the amp head with a really long cable into like the cab actual recording room with a lot of isolation between. And that way you can loud and kill the guitarist. Um, Yeah. By the way, we didn't mention this at the top of the episode, but Nick is a musician and an audio engineer. So if we get a little bit technical in this episode, that would explain it. Yeah, sorry. I, this is the stuff that I find. This is the stuff that I love about Japan Droids. That does it make for good tape? We'll find out. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting because like I, I the the way I approach this podcast is I basically I'll do one or two listens the day of recording and then just try to give like my primal thoughts on the way it sounds because mm-hmm. that's most of what I care about. Like lyrics are usually secondary to me, right? Um, and it's just like how it how it evokes, and I, I never have the right words to describe how things sound. So it's helpful yeah, to have this. Well, I just always am fascinated by hearing about the recording process and understanding understanding as much as I can about that because that really tells you so much about the story of making and what yeah. and sort of the decisions that are made. Because one thing that I picked up on Wikipedia just um, browsing about this earlier today is all of this is the same gear and the same studio that they did post nothing in. Yeah. Um, and that seems like that's an extremely intentional decision, obviously. So it just, I don't know, the thought of Brian King sitting in a room quietly listening to the songs, playing along while like four amps are blaring (laughs) in another room that sounds 50 (laughs) feet away. I'm just getting a lot of mileage out of that now. It's really good. Funny. Yeah. Uh, this is another, this is another one where like he says a lot of words that just mean I'm horny and want to fuck. Right. Yeah. And I kind of like the way that he he phrases it. Wildness we'll is our fire. treasure, so boldly surrender to me into the night. Yeah, no, I actually genuinely love that line. Yeah. It's so, like, it, it's so Jock's first poem. <laughs> but it works. and Because yeah. we need fire, and only kindling can buy it. That is like, how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That- and then, of course, yeah, just saying sexual red really is just a bold <laughs> statement. Even if it yes. is a reference, he did still choose to use it. There's no misinterpreting what sexual red is. No, you cannot possibly mean anything else with sexual red. I dare anyone to try to think of another meaning for sexual red. Price on the can. It says it right there. The only other meaning I can think of sexual red is red-green, and I don't know if that's a reference that's salient to other people. Oh, it is to me. I knew knew you would get it, David. (laughs) I'm not catching this one. It's like a a folksy Canadian TV show about a handyman named Red-Green. And the yeah. uh, the thought of him being sexual is wildly uncomfortable <laughs> to me. They played it on PBS here quite a bit. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, let's move on to uh, the only cover on the album, which is For the Love of Ivy. Who boy. I'm a steel driver now. 
I uh, sure did find out what the original lyrics are for the first time today. Yeah. The original is by the Gun Club. Uh, Mm -hmm. Definitely had one use of the N-word in it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And like, it's one of those cases where it's like, I know what you're going for, but you didn't have to do that. Yeah. And like, ugh. Ugh. Changing it into the line, hunting for answers down in the dark, does make it better. And actually, that line uh, sounds a lot better to me. Yeah. Yeah, that also well, fits like, in with... Like, the thing about the original song is, like, it's the same lyrics everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, like, why? It, it says, <laughs> like, the, the singer, um, Pierce, uh, Jeffrey Lee Pierce, was interested with the plight of African Americans and how the, he had to deal with in the 60s, and this was incorporated into his music. And it's like, that's not really how I read that line. And I don't think that's how a lot of people are going to read that line. Yeah. No. It really that's... just sounds like you want to do a violence on them. Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. And, like, if you're, like, if this song is supposed to be representing some kind of, like, like, male id, which, like, this album didn't need more of that. That's what this whole fucking album is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, there's better ways to do it. I'm wondering yeah. why they decided on this song to cover in particular. Well, it's like, they have two covers in their repertoire overall, and they both seem like really deliberate choices. The other Just one like is... the kind of music. Uh, the other one's the McLusky cover. That That's they do, right? Which they think... they they play in all their live sets, despite it being like a non-album cut. Yeah. Because normally their shows, um, their shows on the Celebration Rock tour, where every song from Celebration Rock, every song from Post Nothing, except for I Quit Girls, and then their McCluskey cover. Yeah. And that that is what they did like every single time. Yeah, I saw them four times on the Celebration Rock tour, and what surprised me in hindsight is that they would do the same the same songs but they wouldn't do it in the same order yeah they did yeah. like they would like play around with it a little bit and also a japan droid show is about being in a push pit and yelling affirming lyrics yes with yeah. a bunch of strangers so i mean like to be fair they don't they like on that tour like they're, they're expected to play for like what like 90 minutes they don't even have 90 minutes of music yeah that does <laughs> so, explain like, why he lost his voice yeah if they were playing both of the albums every night oh yeah and the tour stats on that tour was Unbelievable! They played. Well, I mean, they they played basically from 2009 to 2012. Like well, they took yeah, a they... very short recording break. And then the Celebration Rock tour. I've got the stats right here. 228 shows across Jesus. 18 months, March 2012 to November 2013. Yeah, that's it's bonkers. Unbelievable. That's yeah, like lot. the I think the that's only people lot, making Brian. tour the only people making tour stats like that are Pop. Yeah, and like of course they have a song about wanting to kill your bandmates because the tour is, take, is taking so much out of your relationship. So And and a record about a record named after losing your voice to touring relentlessly. Yep. Not even They Might Be Giants tour that much. Yeah, and They Might Be Giants tour a fucking lot. They do. For being two guys in their late 50s. Yeah. Welcome to This Might Be a, this, uh, to Giants Confirmed. Not This yeah. Might Be a Wiki. That's a different thing. Um, <laughs> it's welcome, the thing that we use to, to make episodes of Giants Confirmed. Welcome to <laughs> hrwiki.org, the only home for the stick. <laughs> but yeah, um, well, not even just late 50s. Linnell's 60 now. It's fucked. Holy shit, really? That's true. Yeah. He was born in 59. So he was born in 59. Yeah. Which reminds me that Weird Al turned 60 in a month. Our favorite musicians are old men. Damn. I hope John Linnell and Weird Al are having good days. The only thing uh, left to say about this song, I think, is... uh, It's my least favorite song on the album, even without this uh, other context. 
yeah, I don't really kinda, like the way it sounds. It cuts I don't like the, the album way... in half. I I liked it uh, like during Celebration Rock era, but mm-hmm. these days I just kind of it just doesn't. I mean, it's not a Japan Droid song, and it doesn't feel like a Japan Droid song. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you want to know more about the original song, you can look it up. But we're probably not going to get much further into it. <laughs> it's yeah. This is just like man wants to do a violence. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of like, cool that it's like three chords, but not that cool. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. I'm looking just having like a gander at the tabs I have left open. I really do like the second half of this album more than the first one. Second half of Celebration Rock and first half of Post Nothing are unimpeachable. If you Fuck, ask me, you're, yeah. I just Speaking to... of uh, the second half, should we get into the second half? Why not? Absolutely. Adrenaline Night Shift. These have to be, like, the most over-the-top lyrics on the album, I think. This is, yeah, this is the point where it, where, like, the lyrics get lost in themselves a little bit. Um, It's so much. Busting my guts on a riot dose of paradise. (laughs) Whoring my heart on the wings of a western night. (laughs) What Uh, the fuck, Brian? (laughs) With her Blitzkrieg love and a Roman candle kiss. Oh my god, yeah. (laughs) It's so much, Brian. <laughs> Brian learned what a fucking metaphor. Oh, and also there is a image from the uh, Katy Perry firework video in the annotation for that line. Good. Thanks. I love it. Um, who do you, do you think that like you know how like love can be explosive? What if it was a literal explosive? I'm sure no one has ever used this literary device before. No. And let's like really okay. Let's not forget like it's really energizing. It's like working the night shift but you've got a lot of adrenaline that's what yeah. that's what being in a band is like <laughs> yeah i say I that as if this song doesn't slap just... and i don't love it no uh, like <laughs> japan Dreams is a would be like there's a lot of bands that i would want to be in because it just seems like it's fun to play those songs japan Dreams hmm. is near the top of the list oh yeah. yeah yeah god and now i'm trying to think of it i'm like has anyone ever really covered japan Dreams? I have a, I have a, te- I have a, te- I have a Teen Days cover of Wet Hair, which is really fucking good. Ooh! But that's just because, like, you know, two musicians from Vancouver are friends with each other. That just tracks. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's like that's that's a hell of an energy you have to try to capture. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Give it a year or two, and punk bands will start doing Halloween sets for Japan Droids. Yeah, it tracks. I yeah. could see it. They were they were contemporaries of each other, so I could see. I could definitely see Titus Andronicus covering Japan Droids. Mm, I, I could see it, but all, but also sort of. I feel like that's not the era that Titus would be interested in covering. True. Yeah, I feel like they. I don't know. They they're very much on their classic rock tip these yeah, days. Well, so yeah. is Japan Droids. Well, true. <laughs> oh also shit! True. I I yeah. I, I forgot. I completely forgot that uh, after Gord. Uh, I guess it was after. Was it after Gord Downey died? They did. They did a yeah. They did a cover of "Nautical Disaster" by Tragically Hip. Whoa! Which, that's that's a hell of a pull. Damn! It's such. It's like almost like a, it's a song that you could like. You could see it working, but it's like it's so outside their normal sound. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of like how I kind of how I feel about Pup's new thing, where they're they're covering uh, the weaker thens. They've been covering um, "Plea from a Cat Named Virtue Day" oh on God, like their I... entire new tour, and like I... it, it doesn't sound like a pop song, but they it it works when they do it. I so fucking slaps. It. I feel like I feel like Pup could do like a very very good weaker thens cover set. Um, I need to listen to Pup. You guys should send me your uh, your Pup recommend recommendations. I haven't listened to the new record, but I've heard nothing but good things. Um, I really liked their one from 2016, The Dream Is Over. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah it's good. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I, I guess Japandroids also did do a Talking Heads cover. I forgot about all what? their other singles. They did Which They did, did a they cover, cover of uh, of Love to Building on Fire. Oh, oh right, right, right. Whoa. Yeah, it was a B-side. Yeah. It was a B-side, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like when they were putting out all the singles like prior to Celebration Rock coming out. Mm-hmm. A couple of them which didn't actually end up making the album. Hmm. Yeah, I think I have a younger uh, seven inch that has the single version. The single version's so good, and like the album version is good, but the single version is the one that's like built into my head because the like album... it's the one I listen to consistently Are you ready to for talk like about three years. Us? Um, yeah, I guess that is the next track, huh? Yeah, it is. Um, sure just is. with Adrenaline Night Shift, just one more thing is like I again with their like seemingly poetic but very surface deep lyrics. Uh, still waiting for a generation's bonfire to begin. Slapping line. Absolutely that, true. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, thing. So is, like... I'll rattle the saber of the streets. <laughs> so evocative. What does it mean? Yeah. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're, like, razzing this album hard, and there's a lot of it that deserves to be razzed hard. But it also, when it hits, and it hits hard in this second half, mm-hmm. it yeah. fucking hits. Yeah. By the time by the, time the, uh, the lyrics that don't hit pass, you're still, like, on the high from the ones that do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is like, this album invites greater analysis that it should by no means get. No. <laughs> Don't think no, about no, no, it no. too hard. Just let it play. And so we move into Younger Us. So this was actually released in 2010. I didn't yeah. realize that the single came out that long ago. They they played it when I saw them um, when when they played with Waves for uh, during North by Northeast. And mm-hmm. again, me with a fake ID, just having like my first beer in a bar in my entire life, um, <laughs> fucking slapped. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think they they'd put it out a couple weeks before that show. I think it came out in like April or May or something. But yeah, yeah this one significantly predates the album. Whereas when, when when it came out, it was just like, oh, I guess that's one less new track. Yeah. But like it slots so perfectly where it is. Oh, no, this is this might be my favorite Japan Droid song full stop. Yeah, I'm really Actually, glad that I own yeah. the single. Yeah, same. Um, like this one, uh, this one kind of hits for me, especially because I'm 30 now and I have a podcast about music that I'm lis- that I listened to when I was 20. <laughs> yeah, I, it's also I, I like um People were making fun of the the fact that they're using the uh, the remember when as a literary device, which is like you know, <laughs> it's it's the most base and disgusting form of writing you could possibly do. Yeah, <laughs> I think they they had a quote in here somewhere about that. There there was a uh, uh, the, uh, there was a sketch that uh, Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter used to do on uh, 
I think I think it was uh, the cable show Conan, where they would literally just bring up stuff from the past year and just be like, "Remember this?" That's also like a cor- that was a cornerstone of uh, the preseason post Game of Thrones episodes. It'd be like, "Hey, remember <laughs> all the stupid shit that happened last season?" We'll get ready for more, baby. (laughs) This new season is the Ready Player One of last season. It's all references to the last season. No, it's mostly just references to season one. Game of Thrones is a bad show, folks, and it shouldn't win any Emmys. Yeah. I mean, other than the ones it's already won, I guess. Post-Game of Thrones, on the other hand, should win every Emmy. Good podcast. (laughs) Good podcast, bad show. Yeah, there we go. We're perfect. Yeah. It's good. Younger us. (laughs) So... Uh, give me that night you were already in bed, said fuck it, got up to drink with me instead, with the fucking drum hits going on under it, propelling it oh forward. Oh my god. That yeah. absolutely the, the, slays life every time. The drop out there. I'm <laughs> such a sucker for quarter nut, like, not quarter nut, quarter note, um, <laughs> quarter note, like, drum, like, buildups, like, yeah, it's oh quarter note, full nut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Also, like, give me my boys and I swimming through the streets. Yeah. You know, just... And then there's, give me that girl's learning love wild and free. Let's not talk about that line. Oh, I didn't... You see, I never looked at the lyric sheet, and I never realized that it was learning Mm. love. I thought it was, like, living love. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that sounds... This happens a couple of times on on this, where it's like, the lyric sheet does not sound with what, like, with what I had in my head, and what I had in my head was better, so... Yeah... That's that's kind of the curse with Japan droids too. Is that it's always you're gonna rationalize it better than what it what it actually says in the text. You're you're honeypotting the text for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're basically just yeah. You're trying to make the version of it that makes sense. Yeah, which what makes sense happened to after me, uh... which happened after every new episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, here's what actually happened. It's like no, no, it was just dumb. The the thing that I think they were going for was just like. The idea of them being near the near to their thirties and seeing all of their friends who aren't in bands like settling down into family life and they're not. Yeah, mm. which from what I gather was like all their friends. Like their friends weren't like seen people for the no. most part. Yeah, like they were they were just people with jobs. <laughs> which is always fun to be the to be the friend that isn't the one that does the same thing that all of your other friends do. Hmm. Hmm. It's like it, yeah, it is a very evocative sen- sentiment. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know the uh, as a person who like has who does a lot of work at music shows, either behind the boards or performing. Like sometimes, like I find more and more that to like go out at night is just it just feels like work. And yeah, that line of like you know fuck it, like no, this is gonna be fun. That is that is like a nice. I don't know, thing to, nice evocation. Yeah, yeah. remember yeah. saying things like, we'll sleep when we're dead. Like, yeah. Yeah, I get it, I get it. Like, you know, you are you feel old, you're not that old. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, when I was when I was a teenager, I would probably have thought of, you know, being 30 as being pretty old and probably being too old to go out to shows and stuff, but I'm still going to at least, like, four or five shows a year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like being out past midnight. I get really sleepy. Yeah, same. <laughs> oh man, I'm I am actually seeing uh the band from our last episode, uh or your last episode, um, block party tomorrow night and the venue has a ten PM curfew because it's like outdoors in the middle of Manhattan and I'm just sort of like Well oh, that fucking slaps, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna like I'm ah. so stoked. Yeah. And Kelly gets like, to go to bed. 
<laughs> God, I like I I love when a show is like, yeah, doors are at six, music starts at seven. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude! I can have like a light snack before I go, and then I one can opener, get ho- and then I can get home to my stories. Ah, <laughs> oh, even better when there's just no fucking opener. Yo, that's what yeah. I love about oh they might God. be giants shows. They just yeah, they they open for themselves with an intermission in between. Yeah, their sets are just so fucking long. <laughs> yeah, I I earnestly do not know how they do it. Yeah, that set that we saw coffee apparently. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I've seen them use it. I've seen them abuse it. They're just they can't help themselves. No. Yeah, no. When, when we saw them in New York, like that's that's the average length of their sets. They're always yeah. like that. And when we saw them in New York, Celebration Rock was getting album of the year accolades to bring Yeah, like circle. all over the fucking place. Yeah. That that what was a time. time ago. Yeah. Yeah. 2012 just, was a year. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like I really haven't paid attention to album of the year lists like since 2012. <laughs> I like I look at it, but it just it it doesn't mean the same thing that it did in you know when I was nineteen or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like I feel like Pitchfork made us believe that that was more important than it actually was. Yeah, and Pitchfork has just made itself less and less reputable as years have gone on. Yeah, I mean, you know, shouts out to October, <laughs> shouts out to Condé Nast. <laughs> yeah. Love you, Condé. <laughs> Wasn't JPEG Mafia like saying that at Pitchfork Fest after every song? That's what I think I heard in the uh, Merryweather episode with our friend Mace. Right, yeah. yeah. Our <laughs> Very mutual funny. friend Mace. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> but yeah, um, I feel like it's the fact, like, I, not to say like, like pop music isn't valuable or anything, but the fact that like all their news coverage revolves around it now is yeah. part of the problem for sure <laughs> yeah i, I like, still they, follow... they don't have that kingmaker vibe to them anymore they no. seem like very much like they're behind the curve mm-hmm. they still review like uh artists that they interviewed during this time period mm-hmm. uh whenever they release something new like they still uh like i read a review of the new uh album by steve hauschild formerly of emeralds uh a couple days ago fuck they were super mm-hmm. into emeralds they were yeah like, I think I feel like once got a nine. What? Damn. Uh, yeah, I feel like once you're, once you get reviewed on Pitchfork, it is way easier to convince somebody to continue writing about Pitchfork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They'll stick but somebody I, it's like, I feel, I feel like less people are, less people are clearing that initial bar now. Like, it just seems like they're talking about the same bands. Yeah, well, I mean. Other than, like, their pop coverage. And there's, there's so many other outlets for small bands now that Pitchfork to that to get to Pitchfork you need I don't I don't think you can get to Pitchfork without like a press team unless you have something phenomenally exceptional yeah. at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they they're just of, not going to I feel like, like set themselves they set themselves up for that. Like they yeah. gave themselves too high of uh like too high of an entry point yeah and they just they don't need to take the risk on breaking an artist and they don't really seem particularly interested in doing that or yeah 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 so there there will be the the occasional like debut that gets a good review but like they mm-hmm. do not go for like the high eight or nine reviews for these people anymore no no no, no. no one's debuts I mean, are getting that yeah i mean every time that ian cohen gets um, you know, some small emo band or some small punk band from the scene. They get an eight with no BNM. Yeah, it's always going to be that. And it's still like, it's still amazing for the band. Um, they just wrote yeah. about some friends of mine in this band Pear a couple weeks ago and, you know, compared the engineers to Steve Albini. And I used to work with one of those guys and I can just imagine the coolest yeah, hell, thing in the that's world. That's a hell of a thing to hear. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but Pitchfork, uh, but even then, that's their second record, and their mm-hmm. first record, like you know, did did well on the circuit, had recognition. So it's so much easier to sort of get Pitchfork on your second record. But that I just, mm-hmm. you know, that first risk, they just aren't interested. Shall we We've move digressed. on to uh, the house that heaven built? Yeah, let's let's move on to what uh 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 oh. <laughs> well, uh 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 oh. Um, yeah. Back when this album came out and this song came out, I was watching a lot of anime, <laughs> and I permanently associate this song in my head with Gurren Lagann. Do I this know song... why? No. Does it work? <laughs> Fucking absolutely. And one day I will make an AMV of it. This song basically <laughs> is an anime opening. True. Oh my god, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see people, like, flying through the sky to this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song is also, like, the skate-on music for the Vancouver Canucks. That is, is still? so cool. It, if, if it's not still, it at least was for, like, four years. Jeez. Genius seems to say that it's still true, but I'm not really fact-checking this any further. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the hometown proud. Yeah, well, it's, this band plays well in Vancouver, that's for sure. I wonder why. <laughs> it's like it's like seeing Pup in Toronto. Like people go fucking nuts. Yeah. People love a hometown crowd. They love a hometown boy. <laughs> this um, is another one with evocative lyrics that aren't necessarily saying anything. Yeah. Oh, I I feel like, I don't know if this song says anything. <laughs> there, there's not a single coherent thought in this entire song. I think the only I think the only thing that this song says is believe in yourself. And uh-huh. honestly, and that, that's why I associate it so strongly with Gurren Lagann because that is yeah. what that whole anime is. <laughs> No, I mean, like, I, I'm not a person who does, like, mood playlists, but there are times where I've, like, felt down and I've just put this song on and I'm like, no, I, I'm I'm good. I'm going to keep going, actually. And then you're just fist pumping around your apartment to it? Yeah, that's the, usually the only how it line, goes. The only line that I can actually get a read on is the start of verse three, which is, it's a lifeless life with no fixed address to give, which is seems like it's just about being on the road constantly. Yeah. yeah. And this um, song is my wife's favorite off this album. Uh, the first time that uh, I played it for her, she misheard the uh, the o o o chorus as a dog barking. So <laughs> now she always now she always barks along to the song when it comes on. Arf, like, arf, 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 arf. That dumb song, "The House That Heaven Built with Dog and Cat Instead of Person." Yeah. <laughs> bark, 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 bark. David, can you just, like, actually just put in a clip where you overlay some, like, midi dog barks over the O's? <laughs> I would love that so can much. Can you please make this? Uh, I'll do my best. Um... I, I love that they do the perspective switch thing again with the chorus. Oh, with the they hook, do. Rather. They do oh, that. So when, yeah. it, they, they start with when they love you and they will tell them all the love in my shadow. And then later in the song, it's uh, when they love me and they will, they'll love in your shadow. 
Uh, yeah. And this is where the Gurren Lagann comparisons get even stronger, because at first it's mm. Kamina singing to Simon, saying that they're all going to love you because he's such like a cool, like, Aniki, older brother figure to him. But then mm. eventually Simon gains his own confidence and is super, super pumped about himself. <laughs> and then his drill pierced the heavens. And then his drill pierced the heavens. This is mostly about the first half of Gurren Lagann. The second half is not relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. I anyway, I, not, I think about yeah. this a lot, and I'm really glad that I was able to blindside you all with this, that I was mm-hmm. going to just start talking about <laughs> anime in the middle of the episode. Yeah, welcome to uh, welcome to Yare Yare Boys. <laughs> I guess that's the closest <laughs> one, yeah. We, we do... No, I, I actually really like the association of the house that Heaven built with anime. It just, something about it feels right. I, I mean, know. they're literally called Japan droids. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. This is the only way that it works, is if this song is about Gurren Lagann. Yeah, Japan yeah. Droids, I think, is just a portmanteau of two other band names that they were trying to use. Do you know what they were? Uh, I used it said it, it on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, I was looking you, at it, it earlier today. It definitely is out there. I'm, uh, I, I'm sure I can find it in quick enough time that it won't be awkward hearing me type and actually look it up. Japanese <laughs> Scream and Pleasure Droids. Those are both really bad names, so I'm really you guys. glad they <laughs> Occasionally they would spell it without vowels as Japanders. Brian. I mean, that would that was the style at the time. It was. Brian, David, what are you doing? Brian, what David, doing, Gilbert. God, what if they had a Gilbert as their third member? Who is the Gilbert? There Where? actually was, there was a Gilbert, but he gave up on his dream of becoming a rock star. Yeah, yeah, and just went to be like a financier in Vancouver. Yeah. And now he sells real estate. It's a booming business. God. Yeah. His name is Gilbert Japandroid. <laughs> it made a lot more sense back when he was in it, but he gave them yeah. a, they, he gave them his blessing, like, it's cool. Born of a bottle from heaven's hand, and now you know, and here I am. Brian! <laughs> <laughs> Those sure are some words to say. <laughs> Those are words in a sequence Brian, that grammatically that, make sense. That does not, that does not pass muster on the SAT. <laughs> Like if you handed this in, in high school, you'd get an this F. Time. <laughs> this is like the this is later in the English class. Like the jock has impressed everyone with his poems, and then he just says, "And now you know, and here I am." And the teacher's like, "F." <laughs> he turns it in in like seventy-two point font, triple spaced. This is yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah. This is the lyrical equivalent of like twelve point five font. <laughs> <laughs> it's the equivalent of doing the thing where you turn all your uh, you turn all the periods larger to make the the text bigger. <laughs> Get yeah, you you throw around with the line spacing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to put double space, but you put like 1.3, so it's barely perceptible. <laughs> Again, we're ripping on this song a lot, but it's like my favorite song on the album, and it fucking rips. And every it's... single one of these lyrics is fun to say out loud. It was one of yeah. the best songs released in 2012. It's yeah, also easily. so dumb. It's so I fucking feel like dumb, though. They recorded the song as if they were playing it live, just like, you know. I think that's how all their songs were recorded, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they yeah. said Like, that, that has got to be the only way they do it. That was, an, that was another thing on Wikipedia, that, like, they basically wrote and recorded this with the live experience in mind, and it shows. Yeah. It yeah. shows. Yeah. They, they, they were envisioning a giant crowd. The entire time, yeah. yeah, like like during the O's, like you're you're clapping ryth- rhythmically along with the O's because that's how you do it. And people, yeah. I'm sure, do that in the stadium in Vancouver when the Canucks are coming on, even though they're not even a good team and nobody likes them. Oh, oh, that's like that's like my beloved Islanders 
<laughs> yeah, nobody likes the Islanders. I mean, there's not a whole lot to like, but... <laughs> I don't know. I, so... know. I know a lot of people who are diehards Mets fans. Is it similar? No, the Mets are... The Mets are New York's underdog. I, I am a Mets stan. Yes. I don't know anything about sports, and I barely follow baseball, but I will always take the scrappy underdogs from Queens over the most, like high-paid and successful baseball <laughs> baseball franchise of all time because I, well nobody likes the yankees That's i want the fact. drama of it oh my god the the 2015 world series i was working at a venue like of all mets fans literally named shea stadium yeah and we were we were just broadcasting um the the world series like on a wall during like cmj festival <laughs> You know, I, I was doing sound for modern baseball on a showcase and watching the game at the same time. And they got, they like did, they got like three wins in and then just completely, beefed oh, beefed it so hard. It was heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, that's like, all, all my sports fandoms are like inherited. Mm -hmm. Like it's just whatever my dad was into. So like I follow a lot of Toronto sports teams Yeah, in that way. Um, that's just what being a Toronto sports fan is other than... Of course, the Raptors finally clinching it. But, like, <laughs> look at the Raptors' previous four seasons where they get to the playoffs and then they completely eat shit to LeBron James. <laughs> and the only reason they made it through is because LeBron James was in the Western Conference. <laughs> the, the, he is the kryptonite. He could stop anyone. The Minnesota Wild are apparently firmly at the bottom of the, uh, the Central Division in the Western Conference uh, of hockey right now. So that's good to know. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure they still sell tickets. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to be an underperforming team, you might as well be one near the U.S.-Canada border, because that is where you're most likely to have people come to your to your games. True. Yeah. I wonder if there was a peel-off when, like, how close is Winnipeg to you? It's fairly close, right? Like, I think so. Like, within a couple hours, at least. Was there a peel-off when the Jets, like, would there have been a peel-off when the Jets came back? Yeah, of, like, maybe. people going to games? I don't know. That's like the argument they give uh, against making more like Southern Ontario hockey teams, even though like the market could absolutely support like eight more teams in Southern Ontario. Hamilton needs a team. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> hockey when we should be talking about Japan droids. <laughs> yeah. Do we have anything else uh, about the house the hockey built? Um. <laughs> the thing is, we've said most of the lyrics already. Yeah, That's I had true. an old studio apartment called the house that Yingling built. Because uh, I was 22 <laughs> years old at one point. Um, yeah, yeah, that's all that's I got. A good, that's a good name for wife for a Wi-Fi network. True. I think my wife. I don't know if that was the Wi-Fi network. My my current Wi-Fi network is called the Glow Part Two. And my current Wi-Fi network is for the Wi-Fi listen Ypsilanti. That's way better. Oh my god, that's so. That's I have to give cre so credit to good. Stephanie for that one. She is she's she's good at naming Wi-Fi. <laughs> Mine has been Inkopolis ever since Splatoon came out. Yeah. Man, you ever think about the fact that in Japan, like, the Inkopolis Square is called Shibuya? What? Just but, like, with, the, with an emphasis on the Buya? Because I really love that, and I wish yeah. they that's brought that so in the translation. Because <laughs> that's obviously what it's evoking. Yeah, And absolutely. they just went right for it. I guess they just thought the international audience wouldn't get it. Yeah. That's I get it, Nintendo. I get it. Uh. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's, let's close it out. things out with Continuous Thunder. Hmm. And rain, dressed to the nines, arm in arm with me tonight. Singing out loud, yeah, 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 like continuous thunder.
I should say piss in this one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Through the cold, yeah. piss in rain, dressed to the nines. This one fucking rocks t- to sing yeah. along to. Oh, it's yeah. so good. It's it's so anthemic. It's such a great way to close out that record. It's um, probably one of the cl- stronger closing tracks I've ever heard, really. It, this is, I mean, this is the is. Waving Your Lighter track. Oh, absolutely. I saw them play like at like two in the afternoon outside at a festival, you know, perfect natural light everywhere, and you're still throwing your lighter up because it's just the vibe. It's yeah. just yeah. what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, the first line of this song is one of the ones that Ian Cohen singled out as being like particular, particularly poetic. <laughs> Heart's terrain is never a prairie. But you weren't wary. You took my hand. You did that. <laughs> and you're valid. Yeah, One's I, heart is not something that is easily deciphered. Here the writer compares the heart to land that is difficult to, to traverse, unlike a prairie, which is just hills and grass. Sure Okay. Is. I mean, like, I wouldn't call that, like, a fantastic literary device, but it works. I feel like yeah. this is the most lyrically ambitious song on the record. Yeah, but it's no, I, still, I, I can see that. But it's still, like, it has its, its weak points, um, such as, I guess, let's just get into it. Uh-huh. Oh, and if oh, and if I had all the answers and you had the body you wanted, would we love with a legendary fire? Oh boy, you can you can extrapolate what he's trying to get across here, but it could have been stated a whole lot better than that, Brian. It's like it's it's basically like he's he's stating like these base desires. If we had these things, would it make us love each other any more or any better? And I think that's a good like kind of statement to make. It's just the choices that he made for the statement for like the male avatar of himself and like the female avatar of the other person in the relationship. Yeah, the were, choi- that the, were just some poor choices. The word choice, the context that it arrives in, and it also just doesn't sound good when he sings it. No, uh, yeah, the uh, you know, and you a- had the body you wanted was a is a very clunky line. If yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna bring that up, you need to support that with the text. And there is nothing in the song prior. There's nothing in the record that leads to Brian King like just sort of psychoanalyzing what his romantic object you know wants in life. And it, I mean, he never really gets into the female perspective on any of oh. this in anything past a surface level. Oh, absolutely not. But absolutely he also not. doesn't do that with his own thoughts or desires on this album. Yeah. Oh, so like, if I were more intelligent and you were a sapiosexual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was the guy that came out as sapiosexual today? It was like Mark Ronson? Yeah, Mark Ronson. It was Ronson. Mark Ronson, yeah. <laughs> stupidest fucking thing i've ever heard lord oh, boy man oh, like, for man. a song that uses the word piss a bunch of times it's not the worst lyrics of on the on the song no but actually it, i really like the, the if the cold pissing rain flooded the fire would you still take my hand tonight that that's probably some of his best singing on the album yeah and then there's also the singing out loud yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's also I, there's a at the beginning of the song, every t- when his vocals come in, every single time I hear it and I think, that's Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. That's not, that's that's somebody else. It's just something about the way that it's delivered and the way that the sound design or, you know, the EQ and everything is set. It just sounds exempt. I, I can, I'm just like listening to it in my head and I can, I can hear it. Like I American similar, Idiot do, era. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm, exactly. I, like I'm thinking it's very much in the way he rounds his vowels. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way he hits that heart. Yeah. Hearts. Yeah. 
Like it's very, very oh, yeah. Uh, rhotic. Yeah. I'm um, trying to think then, of other pronunciation choices that were good in this song. I mean, it's very much like his, it, the, it's the, very much just the natural way he sings. Yeah, the think, hard like, S in Dress to the Nines. Well, that, 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 that pairs with the hard S that he does for pissing. Yeah. Yeah, they hit he those really, sibilants. He really, he really puts some mustard on that piss. Yeah, they hit that hard. <laughs> yeah. Should I put the DSer on it? No. Absolutely, absolutely not. not. Don't I you want, fucking I, dare. I want to see the notification that it peaked, and I want that <laughs> peak to remain on the track. <laughs> Please and thank you. I want my song to be a rectangle. Thank you very much. Fix it in mastering, and by that I mean don't fix it. <laughs> in fact, I'm I want see you to master a lot of rectangles when I'm editing this episode. I think. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, my, uh, I, I definitely set my gain too high and was too lazy to change it. So I'll give you a flack again this week, so it's less destructed. Okay. <laughs> and then we Nick, end Nick the don't song tell me with, if I'm wrong. Uh... <laughs> can do a flack you can do a wave i mean you know i'm not the one editing it so yeah <laughs> yeah then the album ends with fireworks just the same way it started i've heard somebody try to say that it was not that it's not the same like sample or sound effect and i haven't gone to check but I it absolutely is right <laughs> i if it if it's not like the exact same sample it's like two pieces of the same sample yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they sound I mean, exactly like the same like mm-hmm. volume and everything. Yeah, and end your record the way that you began it. Do the full circle. It's so much fun. Everybody yeah. loves it. Yeah, just you know, like do it out of respect for your audience, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this song has a really good build in it too. Oh yeah, it does. I, like this song, I all every time that it comes up at the end of the record, I'm like. Oh, do I really want to listen to this? Like, you know, it's a good song, but it just sort of feels like kind of, I don't know, over the top or saccharine or something. And then it, it gets to that build. And I'm like, this is which it actually kind of makes really me good. think of um, I felt this very similarly about sovereignty on the last album uh, in hmm. that it starts out really slow, but it kind of builds itself a little bit. And I then you, you get to a really good point with it. Yeah, I'm still pretty hard on a lot of the second half of post but yeah, I, that's, that's it's fair. been a while. It's I mean, been a Heart while. Sweats is there, though. Heart Sweats, I mean, and I Quit Girls, which... But. Heart Sweats don't think, of, don't think too hard about the, the lyrics. Uh, Heart Sweats is the one, one that starts with the drums that are like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hot as cold as ice, girl, I should know I've been through the North Pole. Another song where he puts a lot of... He doesn't put a lot of thought into what a woman would think, but just how he thinks of them. I mean, his heart's sweating, which... Yeah. I said it before we started recording, but this album is as sweaty as Meriwether Post Pavilion is wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if, we, if, we, if we're playing the adjective game, sweaty is one of the first things I would go to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bro would be another. This is a bro's album. It's a yeah. beer album. It is a beer album. Because <laughs> um, they're drinking. Yeah. And they're, they're still, still smoking. Drinking. They're, and they're still smoking. Not, you know... In this day and age, not condoning getting mysterious vaping illness. Yeah. Just smoke a regular cigarette, you fucking weirdos. Just smoke a joint. (laughs) Just smoke weed. (laughs) We we all support smoking weed on this podcast. Oh, by the way, um, I don't know if this came up at all, or I don't think it came up at all, but uh, I think at least two of us have the vinyl. I I have the vinyl. vinyl. We all have the vinyl. Is this the first time? I think this is the first time that we've all had the vinyl, although this is the uh, first episode we've done since I actually cataloged my record collection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have now a you disc- know for sure. Folks, should we link our Discogs on like our Twitter page? 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> I feel like I that's ha- the perfect like jerk off motion that we could do to really, really support the angle that this podcast is coming from. <laughs> Like that's yeah, the exact I'll, I'll make that amount. the pins. I'll make that the pins tweet for like a month. Yeah, it's just it's just both our discords. <laughs> <laughs> we get we can link it on the noise space page too. I have so much space to just throw links. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> Podcasting, folks. Yep. This is how this is this is how the the uh, the sausage gets made. You post yeah. your discogs. <laughs> yeah, you'll get you'll get to know absolutely everything. Uh, you'll get to see that the two most uh, expensive releases that I have. Um, based on how they've sold on Discogs, are both by Anna Managuchi. And I think apparently they're all is, really uh, rare. My my two are the Neutral Milk Hotel box set and uh, the CDR that uh, Neil Ciceriga made of Damn Skippy. Oh yeah, Damn Skippy yeah. sells for so much now. Yeah, Damn, Skippy. which makes me mad that I don't have one of the original ones because hmm. I, I I bulk purchased three Lemon Demon CDs with two friends, and then each of us got to keep one. Yeah, because this was I still no in the money. era when CDRs were like that dark emerald green on the bottom. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but now now I have Lemon Demon Spirit Phone on vinyl. Thanks, Jace. Yeah. Damn. Shout yeah. out to Neil Juice Records for releasing all the stuff that we were into <laughs> in 2006. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a shame that uh, no Neil Ciceriga project has ever been reviewed by Pitchfork. Yeah. They're a bunch we're of fucking get a- cowards for not covering Spirit Phone. We're going to get a Sunday review of the Mouth Trilogy at some oh my point God. like it's going like pitchfork reviewed 100 gex anything is possible <laughs> is that all good oh i don't i'm not gonna get about i'm not gonna talk about 100 gex on mic uh I'm, <laughs> that's fine i don't want we can do it i don't want mic. gen z on me like that <laughs> Look, anthony fantano talked about mouth sounds and mouth silence so pitchfork you gotta step up your game all i'm gonna say is that um before Pitchfork actually reviewed Death Grips X Military and like it became Death Grips became like the huge thing that they are, I yeah. did tweet at the Pitchfork account every single day for three months saying review X Military. <laughs> so I'm just saying they should listen to me. I'm ahead of the curve. I know what I'm talking about. Matt, you yeah. broke Death Grips. I broke Death Grips. I tweet <laughs> I just I knew who Zach Hill was. Yeah, because I listened to Hella. You're a Hella fan, yeah. I'm a Hella fan, and yeah, I tweeted it at them every single day, and then eventually they did. There you go. I'd like to think it was me that that did this. I think it was. I think you can claim that. That's a resume. Created the Death Grips meme. I created the Death Grips meme. Fuck you, Anthony Fantano. It's my turf now. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I think that's a podcast. That's podcast. Um, My favorite song uh, out of all of all eight of them. I'd probably, I'd probably have to say the house that heaven built. Hell yeah, yeah, that's the same for me. It's it's between that and younger us. Younger yeah. us, those is... are that's an unimpeachable run of songs. Yeah, I younger think I'm us go and with... cont- to continuous thunder are all perfect. Yeah, I I'd, I'd have to go with younger with younger us if I'm going with my gut. Yeah, um, that song is just the house that heaven built is still to this day the only song I've crowd surfed to, and <laughs> also the only song I've stage dove to because that's how I got into the crowd. Yeah, that's they, they usually go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Uh, yeah. That is also the same show where a man crowd jumped off of a speaker and landed on only me. Um, <laughs> and I had a shoulder injury for like six months after that. Oh, Great. no. That's Look, bad. Above a certain weight, just don't crowd jump. Yeah. Like, I'd it's argue. Just, <laughs> I mean, at Not least take into account the crowd density that you're jumping into. 
because he yeah. was jumping into a very small portion of crowd. <laughs> and by that, I mean me and only me because I was off to the side because mm. getting into the two into the pit, I am small and get injured. As to uh, whether this album lives up to the hype that Pitchfork gave it, uh, musically, I'd say yes. Lyrically, maybe not no. so much. Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say this this album is already showing its age lyrically just six or seven years later. Oh yeah, my god, seven years. time time moves too fast. Yeah, um, don't don't think about too hard about that. This album came out in fucking May of two thousand and twelve. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm curious to see what happens to the legacy of Japan Droids because I don't see this getting more relevant in no. in coming years, except for like <clears throat> Wine and Roses and Younger Us, but. Then the you got. Heaven, we'll see what when I make my uh, house that heaven built Gurren Lagann AMV. It's gonna mm-hmm. really, really bring them back into the forefront of culture. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's gonna get that's gonna get on AV Club. That's gonna just that's gonna be inescapable for a week. Yeah, it'll bring uh, it's gonna back be Japan droids and it will bring back AMVs as an art form. <laughs> it'll get people thinking about Gurren Lagann, and then they'll be like, "Hey, wait, why is that fourteen-year-old's titties out?" And then they won't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> Anime. Here's- I here's the here's your actual get though. Gurren Logan AMV, the house that heaven built Nightcore. Oh fuck. That would rip. That's the twenty nineteen <laughs> experience right there. It's just ow 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 ow. And then you can get the hundred Gex fans. <laughs> <laughs> all oh all hundred of them. <laughs> God. Um a friend of mine tweeted about hundred Gex, and this is my like one of two exposures I've had to like actual like people I know talking about this band. Mm-hmm. And it was, so this is what white people are into now, huh? <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, that seemed they, like quite the indictment. It just got I mean, announced that, oh, sorry. I'm just going to say, like, I'm going to listen to it and probably like it. It, it. it sounds like my shit. It is the cross between like 2014 PC music, sleigh bells, and broken I heard side. it described basically as sleigh bells, but more. And I'm into the idea. <laughs> There's definitely like elements of like weird like electro emo from the mid 2000s of like 303 and Broken yeah yeah Side. That, that was the one yeah. thing that that made me hesitant is that yeah. people compared them favorably to Broken Side. Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, they just announced that they're doing a show in Brooklyn like two months at a venue near here, and I'm oh boy, I'm not gonna go, but I'm just already scared. <laughs> <laughs> of what the of what being around that area after the show is going to be like ah it's just it's just a bunch of white kids they'll be fine yeah no 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 i mean like it's just like you know it's just like meme kids it's like i'm not actually scared just you're, you're going to see some you're going to see some pepe shirts and yeah. you're going to wonder are they nazis or are they just internet nerds meme kids in a concentrated nazis. space you know you there, a lot can happen you put that energy together Oh, if there's a bunch of meme kids in a concentrated space, there's probably going to be white supremacist recruiters there. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Before we uh, before we leave today, this is completely unrelated to anything except for the idea of music itself, which is that I'm constantly thinking of now the phrase Zoe Deschanel divorces Death Cab for Cutie frontman Ben Gibbard <laughs> <laughs> because of Yahoo News' misreading of it. Deschanel Div- filed for a divorce from husband Death Cab, throwing him over for cutie frontman Ben Gibbard. <laughs> Deschanel and Cab were married for a little more than three years. Please, I, Death I did- Cab was my father's name. Just call me Death. <laughs> I mean, 
I didn't know till literally today that Zoe Deschanel's dating a property brother now. Yeah, I heard about that. I mean, That's, that tracks. He's yeah. he's the him now. <laughs> the thing is, is that her music sounds like something that would play over an HGTV show. It does. <laughs> Which is like neither a compliment nor an insult. It's just it's just an observation. It's just it's just brand Not an synergy. insult, just a fact. Not an insult, just a fact. <laughs> Are, are we gonna? Are we gonna? Uh, do we need some more cross promo to other noise space podcasts in here? Like, I've, we've gotten a couple in so far. Do you need me to that, start talking about Pokemon? <laughs> Surfetched like is really good. For, uh... Yo, Surfetched, I love his Surfetched. little his not little sword, his big sword, his big fucking sword, his, his fucking Buster sword. sword. <laughs> if he spins it around, it would be sorry. A leak you know, spin. Stephanie is pointing out it is a lance. It is very much a lance. A leak lance. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I think that seems like a good time as any for uh, plugging all the stuff that we do. Um, so I guess I'll start. Uh, I'm David. You can find me on Twitter at, at Dave's. Uh, you can follow this show at, at Tuning Forecast. I'm also on another show on Noise Space called The Stick, which is about Homestar Runner. And you can follow that at, at The Stick Pod. Eventually, eventually I'll publish more uh, chiptunes. Hell yeah. Hell yes. I. I love the intro music on this show. It's it it is it's good. Chef's kiss. I'm I'm I chef's kiss in the mic right now. Thanks, animal <laughs> style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm Matt. I do podcasting with Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, as well as uh, fellow Noise Space podcast Giants Confirmed. Uh, I just had new art commissioned, and I swear to God, I'm actually relaunching Elite Full Restore this time. <gasps> um, I keep saying I'm going to do it, and I'm actually going to do it. Um, so I'm looking to try to record next week. I'll probably have, uh, I'll, I'll definitely just be having guests on every week. Cause that's just how it's going to work now. Um, because I'm co-host list for the time being. Um, and yeah, um, field guide, field guide to Canadiana. Not sure about that one yet. Maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, is I'm very explicitly anti-nationalist now. So it just doesn't seem like the good uh, thing to go for. Mm. We should abolish all borders. Canada shouldn't exist. Uh, I am Nick. You can find me on Twitter at NCKPTMN. I play uh, multiple instruments in the bands Hard Pass, Spot Garden, and Foreverist, and I post synth stuff online under the name Chronophile, and uh, that's my deal. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. GTB Records. R.I.P. <sighs> oh, we... <laughs> I was about to accidentally almost reveal what GTB stood for, and I'm going to take that to the grave with me. I've told so many people at this point. Oh, I've definitely told people, but I'm not. I, much like 100 Gex, I'm not going to talk about it on mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. You have to ask us. You have to ask us for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you to Animal Style for the use of the theme song uh, Open Air from the album Open Air. You can find all of their music at uh, nmlstyl.com. And that thank sure you is the to... style, huh? Just yeah. taking all the vowels out. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to eat them. Thank you to uh, Nikki Flowers, uh, host of Picking Up Something Good, another fine noise space product for uh, making the album art. And uh, as we always say, I had never seen a shooting star before. <laughs> I had never even seen a shooting star before. I had never even seen a shooting star before. Bye. Later. Bye.
Hey, this is David. Special thanks to wife of the show, MJ, for recording the barks in the middle of the episode. Bye.